0: Yes, and we're back. Welcome to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Uh, We have not done a Devil in the Advocate episode in quite some time, so to recap what those are, I am your co-host Mike One, this is co-host also Mike, this is a Devil in the Advocate episode, Mm -hmm. and what that means, it's like a short shot episode. Think of it as an elongated, more focused version of the Do You Care segments we have on MMO Weekly, right Mike?
1: we got hot takes But we have opposition programmed into it. And we got a great subject for this episode the finale of Game of Thrones. Yes, and
0: everybody has seen this. It may it had like something like 19 million viewers, I think, on Sunday, which in this day and age of streaming is absurd. But we are covering the finale of Game of Thrones. This is Devil and the Advocate for Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Now, how this is going to work is that Mike is going to be the advocate of, of the Game of Thrones finale here. He's going to take a <laughs> position, whether he disliked it, liked it, who knows. He's going to talk about it because he has been one of the original fans, like many of you out there are. He started with the show from its inception. He watched it all the way through. He had a couple binges. He had a couple rewatches. He is a crazy person. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> he's going to take a stance he's going to give his opening statement. After he's done giving his opening statement, uh, we're going to walk through the episode that was the Game of Thrones series finale, and we're going to pepper in some thoughts, ideas, highlights, lowlights, and I will be playing the role of the devil, which means that I'll just be kind of poking the bear a little bit and trying to come up with different scenarios and and defending the uh, the alternative, uh, as, as it were, once Mike is done speaking. So, uh, going to be a quick episode today, hopefully. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> and that's what we we have so let's get into the devil and the advocate uh, attorney, also Mike, defender of the realm. Uh, first of his name, I guess it would be second of your name since I'm literally Mike One,
1: so uh, second I, of your name. I feel a little like also Mike the Broken right now. <laughs> First of my name. I think that means you win, though, right? (laughs) All right,
0: let's get into it, Mike. The floor is yours. Your opening statement about Game of Thrones
1: series finale. So you prefaced it. First and foremost, I have enjoyed this TV show immensely. I've also loved the books. I consumed as much content on the web as anybody. It has been worth it overall. I've truly enjoyed the ride, and I still think I'm in love with the world and the story enough to continue to consume everything I can. Everything Game of Thrones, everything Westeros, Can't wait for George to finish A Song of Ice and Fire. I want to reread them, in fact, before the next one drops. And I would love to see prequels. I crave so much more understanding and analysis. So all of our other friends and shows out there doing stuff, I've I've been listening to you guys. I will continue to do so. And Mike, one, I thank you for joining me at the end of this journey. You're a real pal. It's awesome of you to allow this episode, and uh, you didn't have to do that, so you're a good dude. Thank I, you.
0: I think I did have to do it. I was threatened a couple times physically. That's a lie.
1: <laughs> I wanted to you give our audience the uh, the lie that you were not <laughs> forced to do that and give you an out, but thank you. Look, could one hugely disappointing episode ruin my entire experience? So The short answer for all of this is no. However, I'm still... Unhappy. I'm dissatisfied. Ultimately disappointed with this particular episode. With this finale, I hate it that some of the preview people. And I love everything the Ringer's done on the, on the mm-hmm. in terms of their coverage and all our other friends and whatnot. I hate that they knew the ending going in. I hate that the Vegas odds picked up on the leak and that everything was out there. I saw that. Mike, it feels like a a beat reporter for the New York Football Giants, our favorite team, putting out the Daniel Jones news before the draft. And this today feels like my reactions to the Daniel Jones pick. (laughs) (laughs) I'm tempted to talk myself into it. I'm tempted to be an apologist. But I, I, I know I half expected it. But I don't like it, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to get through that. That being said, I don't disagree with some of the overall choices, some of the destinations for, for this journey. This at journey at large. Uh, like George did say many times when he was interviewed, this was going to be a bittersweet finale, and I'm overwhelmed by that bittersweetness, and that's going to come out in my, my finish to this rant here.
0: Uh, for those of people who haven't joined us along the way, also Mike likes to refer to George R.R. R. Martin on a first-name basis. George. Do-R. So what he keeps saying George, that's who he's referring fellow to. Fellow
1: Giants fan, <laughs> Fellow Giants and Jets fans. So let me just say right off the bat, we are going to spoil everything. Yes, All right, so this is as safe as you can get. We're going to spoil it starting now. Mm -hmm. John should not rule. Danny should not rule. I agree with both of those facts, and I love that this is a story of ice and fire, of two main characters that go on this journey essentially destined to rule, and that they flip that on their head, that they should not be in that position at the end of it. Yes, I thought John was too stubborn to live. You titled the last MMOW after that. Yes. Uh, Ultimately, Danny proved... The Maxim. Yeah. So I thought that was fun. Uh, Both made so many terrible mistakes. And in a meta sense, again, it's thematically refreshing because George and David and Dan, my friends... They have really flipped a bunch of fantasy and story tropes on their heads, Mike. Uh, The downtrodden protagonist hero slash secret king is actually not the best person to rule. The magical queen on the quest who begins as the greatest underdog, who suffers throughout, who meets all these crazy friends. She comes to power and what happens? She is corrupted by that absolute power. Absolutely. This is prophetic and it's historically honest as a narrative choice. And also, they're teenagers in the books and 20-somethings in the show. They're not better suited to, for rule. They're maybe suited to win the wars. Yeah, there's an argument. It's it's relatable in that aspect, as we all in our young 20s were, thought we were wiser than we were. So George, my pal George, grew up in the <laughs> Vietnam War era, era, and he was a conscientious objector, and he did he wanted to prove that might does not equal right, and that the glorification of war is BS. And I think he does that, and it's fascinating that the Sansa character actually kind of a bit different than my argument I just made, because I agree with her ruling the North. Yeah, she's also a 20-something, but she's at least gone on this hard-knock-life journey of learning all the politics, of, of learning all everything wrong with the true systems of power, and she's proven herself wise and worthy at the end of it, and she's made a dozen or so good decisions, which is more than anybody else can say. By by the logic of the show, Bran would be a better king than anybody else, and I agree with that. But as a character, Bran is a hard drive. He's an algorithm. (laughs) He's a computer. He sucks! (laughs) He's not a person, really. I mean, he's a little brother, but he's really a version of big brother. In in fact, or in the facts of the show, he's supposed to become a tree. Like the previous Three-Eyed Raven. And Mike's like, what the hell does that mean? Is that serious? Yeah, the last Three-Eyed Raven was... In a tree beyond the wall, he was connected to all the vines. That's how he could see because all those green sear trees. Mike, it's that's it was the fantasy this part of the show. show. <laughs> so, I'll get into the fact that why I think Bran is a strong ruler, but it's not a satisfying decision narratively. Look, we needed a hundred percent more uh, time, uh, we needed four more episodes here, we needed 10 episode arcs, I and mean, how they thought they were going to get through this in six. Mike, they rushed it like crazy. But overall, to finish this long rant, you thought this was going to be a short episode. You weren't. Pay- <laughs> if you thought this was going to have a happy ending, you weren't paying attention. Said Ramsey Snow. Snow, Mike, this show made me suffer as much as anything. Game of Thrones. I didn't expect to be happy with the ending per se. I figured it was going to be bittersweet. But and I ask us questions. Are are we happy with the ending of the Lord of the Rings books after the Scouring of the Shire? No. Are we happy with the ending of The Grapes of Wrath and other literary epics? No. Are we satisfied with those endings? I I think we become more satisfied as years have gone on. I wonder about the reverberations, but I thought I'd be more satisfied immediately with this episode. Unfortunately, there are gross oversights, infuriating omissions, failures in logic... But worst of all, failures and setup and payoff. And it's great because it allows us to ask so many questions about the storytelling process and really dive in there. And I'm still one of those wannabes. Uh, But I left episode six more upset than I thought I would be. So
0: you walk an interesting tightrope, and it's tough to punch holes in it because you say you're upset, but you understand, which is a practical. Uh, stance honestly, because I'm on the record of myself saying it's impossible to write this type of show that's so wildly successful and placate
1: everybody, unless your name is Marcus or McFeely, uh, yeah, which you're right, <laughs> <From> <laughs> you know, <Avengers> Endgame. exactly. <laughs> like it was a great point, you so
0: so okay, I- I'm gonna try to poke holes in this as we go along. I tried to put up the front, that was uh, impenetrable. Uh, it's it's tough because you're taking kind of both sides of the issue, which I think is a, a reasonable and rational stance. But let's start going through the episode rundown as it was. So we start at the top of the episode and gray worm is there and john comes in and they have this big conflict over whether the queen's demands are gray worm wants to kill all of cersei's followers john wants him to show mercy obviously gray worm ends that scene
1: slitting someone's throat scene makes sense in the moment all right i'm fine with it uh however it's going to make a subsequent scene make zero sense which gives me a lot of problems but i love that walk there i mean it's that's scary stuff. That's it's it's dramatic. It sets the tone. It, re- it takes us back to the last episode. I of work. think,
0: despite what you could say about anything, the cinematography of this episode was extraordinary. The, gorgeous, the
1: rain of ashes, absolutely and dark extraordinary. Grays. My goodness, uh,
0: almost the exact opposite of the writing. Now <laughs> uh, we cut from there to Tyrion digging through the rubble. He finds the remains of Jaime and Cersei. They are
1: embraced in each other. Mike he took
0: like three bricks away, and they were
1: right there. Yeah. The, per- the perks of being a wallflower—that's all I'd say. Because if Jamie and Cersei actually stayed anywhere closer to the walls, to the arches, <laughs> like a step away from freedom. My dad's a structural engineer, and he was making <laughs> comment about this. Like, just to- get close to the arcs. Don't stand in the middle of the room with the falling ceiling, because basically the top layer of ceiling fell on them. So is I feel like a- they could have survived. Is
0: this a proper ending for Jamie?
1: Yeah, I think it was. I think that was very telling. I mean, other than Tyrion finding them in like a very shallow pile of rocks. Wouldn't there have been
0: more of a a, a literary um, justification had he been actually killed before getting to to Cersei's side again? He kind of was
1: like the hopeless romantic throughout this film and always... Great question, because Cersei might have been, you know, it might have been a more fitting end to her character just to be alone. Right isolated on her own and, power and, without Jamie there and Jamie trying to get the to her forlorn and being lover to... and always kind of coming up short for her affection I wonder if they wrote that at some point but you know in a, in a way with the, the way Brienne wraps it up later on he died protecting his queen. I think that was, you know, with some teeth. That None meant... of
0: us are ever worthy enough to have an ex-lover as good as Brienne was to Jamie in this episode. True,
1: But she did say his queen
0: there. Well, she
1: was slighted. I mean, come on.
0: He hit it and quit it.
1: All of the memes. <laughs> all of the memes have been great.
0: <laughs> all right. So from there, we have John walking through the troops as Danny's about to give her big speech of acceptance and gratification and victory, basically. That's incredible. It was one of the most amazing shots followed by one of the most amazing shots, Danny standing in front of her dragon when she lands and looks like the Queen of Dragons, obviously with those wings coming out either side. Uh, Danny declares total victory over the Seven seven Kingdoms. Her troops roar. She names Grey Worm as the master of all the Queen's soldiers, but the war is not over, she says. We will liberate people
1: around the world like we liberated Cersei's uh, citizens. So two people on the quote-unquote stage with her there are... Tyrion and John, right? Mm-hmm. And Grey Worm. She mentions Grey Worm. She praises him. And then she goes from Winterfell to blah, blah, blah. From Lannisport to. Those are the home cities of the two people up there. Now, you didn't like that. Well, I just, I mean, it sounds like to Jon, to Tyrion, to us, that she is doubling down on the move to burn the city, and she's sounding utterly nuts. You've been
0: in the minority since Danny had her big heel turn, for lack of a better word, that you thought it was well-established enough, and it was, it was enough had been done to make that pivotal decision. You
1: know, I'm a little biased from the book reading, and I've been predicting the fact that Quaithy was a figment of her imagination, of her madness, kind of like the, the gimmick in the very first episode of Six Feet Under, where he's talking to his dad like the funeral Mm -hmm. owners he Mm -hmm. talks to his dad throughout the whole series so that tells you there's something a little off about the character so you know everybody you know sometimes like they say in all every artistic biopic ever it's good to have a little bit of madness
0: wouldn't it have been more effective though if she had an actual inciting incident instead of just being up there and deciding on a whim that she had had enough here's
1: like to me she had a whole eight years of inciting incidents. She is born from tragedy. She shouldn't have been that good for that long. She is born from utter horror. Her brother was trying to screw her. She's been raped. She's been, you know, sold as as property. She's gone through hell at every stage. She's been lost in the desert. And then all the people that matter to her, who she survived all those terrible trials and tribulations with, they die in rapid succession, the two dragons who were, were her children in a very real sense. Uh-huh. So if you lost two kids, your best friend, and then your most loyal ally in Jorah, if you lost them in a matter of a month or... You know, you'd be crazy too. So to me, that's just like, those are all the inciting incidents you need, in my opinion.
0: Danny is giving her big speech, and, and Tyrion comes up to her at the end of
1: all the rah, rah,
0: rah. Danny accuses Tyrion of treason. You freed your brother. And Tyrion's response is, I freed my brother, and you slaughtered a city. False and that,
1: equivalency, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> that is enough for Danny to demand that Tyrion be taken into custody. And he's cracking through her veneer there. I mean, she's like she's putting on the tough front. You see the I know she's crazy because of the lack of blinking <laughs> with a character. I think that's a great performance because she's not doing the over the top. I'm crazy performance here. She's just staring a little too much. Is she crazy, though, or is she perfectly sane in her own mind? In her own mind, she basically thinks she's super righteous and that this is the ultimate pragmatism. Right. Because she's thinking she's safeguarding generations to come. Exactly.
0: All right. So from there, uh, Tyrion, of course, in, in making his protest, throws down his pendant in front of everyone. So that's enough for Danny to, to kind of
1: say, You're done. And I'm I love how the unsullied spears, like, awkwardly stop beating.
0: The spears made no sense to me because there's no way everyone in that audience could hear Danny from that far away anyway. So, why are they all going in unison? I remembered the
1: scene from Wine Country where the girl, right. you know, like one of them is up there, like Anagastar is up there giving this big spiel, like we can't hear her. Yeah, oh, Barry just had that
0: too in their se- season finale. They have the exact same thing. That's, That's what brought funny. it to my mind. All right, so Tyrion's taken into custody. It's Arya, as Tyrion is being walked back by the guards, who tells John that Danny will never truly trust him because Danny knows who John
1: is and what his lineage is. So I love Arya but wow you must have like superhuman <laughs> x-ray vision there Arya. Daenerys just burned an entire city down but you know you know a killer when you see one thanks. I will not sit here and have you talk bad what about Arya. What powers of perception there kiddo. We go from
0: there. John talking to Tyrion in Tyrion's holding cell, and Tyrion—a big dialogue scene, uh, back and forth here between the two. Tyrion is choosing his fate, insisting that he betrayed his queen against John's objections. So he's saying, "I know I'm in my rightful place here. I did wrong." Dinklage t- for my money. His facial expressions, even if you go back to watch three billboards, right. he is the best in the game at facial expressions. Oh, I saw, I saw. Unbelievable. I think he Emmy worthy from these this year. His performance
1: was awesome.
0: John and Tyrion go back and forth. They argue about the ethical judgments of what Danny did. Here's a quote Everywhere she goes, evil men die, and we cheer for it. And she grows more powerful and more sure that she is good and right. She believes her destiny is to build a better world for everyone. If you believe that If you truly believed it, wouldn't you kill whoever stood between you and paradise? And then there's the back and forth, the tete-a-tete between the two. Love is more powerful than reason. Love is the death of duty is Jon's response for that. Tyrion's comes back with, sometimes duty is the death of love. Who is the greatest threat to the people now? It's a terrible thing I'm asking. It's also the right thing. Do you think I am the last man she will execute? Who is more dangerous than the rightful heir to the Iron Throne? So this is Tyrion kind of giving his plea to John, do the right thing. I can't believe I'm asking you to do this, but you have to kill this woman. And more than that, you know you have to kill this woman.
1: I've heard a lot of critics make fun of this scene, make fun of the elevated dialogue in a way. But if there's ever a scene where you need elevated dialogue, it's this one. And I just think back, we just had a production meeting and we just talked about, you know, something... I won't say what it is, but, you know, we got on the fringe of some elevated dialogue, giving our opinions on the overalls, right? Mm -hmm. This is what we want to give our audience. This is our big picture. This is who we want to be brand-wise. This is what we love and think is important. And that was just a little discussion about a podcast. If the decision of your life is at hand, and you're talking to a guy, and you're a prisoner, and you're trying to convince them, of course you're going to be Cicero in that moment. Of course (laughs) the other guy trying to argue with you is going to come back at you so i love this conversation i thought Tyrion had it pegged and i'd I love the payoff from it so th- this was as strong as the episode got for me and we're gonna get more into that okay
0: but did we really all wait eight years ten years whatever it is for this sex tits fire blood mercenary show to come down to two dudes talking
1: listen it's a setup scene but it's also a Epilogue scene for trying to explain why Danny did what she did. Is it necessary? Should, like, I don't think it should have been necessary. If you wrote it better, it shouldn't have been necessary. John should know he has to kill Danny. Like, Tyrion shouldn't have to convince him. But. Well, right, wait a minute. So, John has had a,
0: an entire history of proving how loyal and stubbornly loyal he is to that. So, you're yeah, kind of fighting the, against the, the guy's the
1: morals. Previous scene, though, John is like, as loyal as I am, I know right from wrong. Don't kill these prisoners. So John has already taken a moral stance walking up to the gates of the city and he just talks like why does Arya need to say that really dumbass line? And why does Tyrion need to have this argument with him? Does it work? Yeah, because there's a great payoff in the in the big scene with Danny, but I don't know if it was really necessary.
0: John explains to Tyrion that he can't possibly do that. Whatever Danny decides to do is her right. She is the queen. He has already bent the knee. So Tyrion, before John leaves, levels John with the explanation Can you really see your sisters bending the knee to someone like Danny? That's kind of the last thought John is left with
1: before he exits the scene. And of course, John uh, says she doesn't get to choose my my sister they don't get to choose and that line will be repeated later by danny and then john knows he's got a killer which i thought was brilliant and that that's really good screenwriting right in that moment
0: big scene here now as danny approaches the iron throne and john interrupts and they are going to have their own tête-à-tête here a lot of talking in this episode isn't it michael
1: yeah, but, all right, can I get into, like, one logistic that bothers the shit out of me? <laughs> like John is forced to surrender his arms before he goes to talk to a prisoner who they are going to execute for treason. Yes. And number one, Danny's alone in the castle. Like, there could be anyone. There could be cheese and whatever the other assassin from the previous books Meat and Cheese or whatever the hell his name was. Oh, man. If we're ever a tandem of assassins, we have to call ourselves Meat and Cheese. It's not meat, though. It's something to I don't choose. care. Anyway, there could be a knight in there protecting a lady. You know, did they really clear... Like a SWAT team, did they clear the premises? I don't know. Okay, but
0: does she need to actually have cleared Jon Snow, who she knows she kind of dominates right now in this situation? Isn't that part of the the literary... Um, The the looks that she
1: gives him says, like, you still aren't with me. And... As much as you're here, I see the disdain in your eyes. You can't hide hide it. You're a terrible poker player. You know nothing, Jon Snow. I mean, the look she gave him walking away in the previous scene makes me think that she is very, very skeptical of Jon's Allegiance. That's why maybe she she keeps... she's beyond skepticism at this point. Maybe her own madness she's, has. Yeah. But she, like she, she keeps asking John and like demanding John's respect and allegiance yes. because she knows he, she doesn't have it. And John keeps saying it, but John is very half-hearted. These are oaths, but he doesn't give it to her, and that's the whole problem between them, I think.
0: So Danny tries to take it, and that's where we are here. John pleads with Danny to forgive Tyrion. You can set an example for others. Danny outright refuses to do so. She needs to set an example in her own way and then they have this ethical this really meta conversation about how do you know the world will be good why you're trying to make a better world john is kind of talking to danny through, but how do you know what good is and they have this really it's a, an argument about anyone in power you know anyone has had it how do you know your vision of what the best type of world is is the best vision for the world and danny's default is essentially because it's my vision and you need to trust me and this is kind of the selling point to John that this woman is beyond reproach. She can't be helped. She has gone mad with her own, and drunk with her own power. Yeah. So there's the back and forth. I know what is good, Danny says, and so do you. What about all the other people who claim to know what is good Is John's retort? Danny says they don't get to choose. Danny kind of forces a kiss onto John. John, at first, is accepting. I mean, I think there's no doubt he definitely kisses her back. And then, as with all good uh, dramatic... Bad guy versus good guy kiss scenes. John ends up stabbing her
1: in the heart. Kiss de muerte, <laughs> the kiss of death. This is really an incredible sequence, even though it's very predictable. It's Did crazy. you know it was coming? Yeah, I, I, I knew it was coming in that moment because she's unguarded and. She's... Isn't it a better literary device though if John were to actually stay loyal to his queen? There, I thought it would have been an excellent choice. I do. I think Danny coming out of this on the throne would have been a. St- disturbing choice. This would have been a horror coming out of this season, this 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 episode. The the entire series, it would have been a horror series. Yes. If that happened. Uh, I thought that I like horror movies. I think that would have worked. You know, but I didn't expect it to be. I heard the bittersweetness line. I I, I saw the, the why have all the Tyrion stuff unless that was a red herring, which would have been brill- which would have surprised me. I expected John to stab her here. He basically gets his own line thrown back at him. Again, good screenwriting, and that confirms everything to him. He's got a killer.
0: I thought just to interject my two cents here for a second. I, I thought if if John stayed loyal in that scene and left as staying at Danny's side, and the rest of the 40 minutes left would have been a uh, an ethical conversation between he, Arya, and Sansa, and then Arya, who, by the way, lay, leaves on a white horse in the episode before and is just walking and there's yeah, nothing was, here. Was so that a stupid. red herring?
1: What was our, the point of Arya yeah. in this whole episode? That exactly. one line that was the most Captain Obvious thing ever?
0: I think that could have been such an easier and a a better written... But I understand it's entirely difficult to do this. And this is... They wanted to go the dialogue-heavy life-has-meaning route, which is what they decided on.
1: It's amazing, you know, Danny's had this dream all along and everybody called her delusional. And she finally attains the dream. She doesn't sit on the throne yet. But here is her, after she's achieved all this, at her most delusional Mm. ever. And... Her delusion is just like, I want to be in love with this man, I want him to be in love with me, I want the perfect future, I want you to agree with me, I want all these things to happen, and she's like forcing all that on herself, and she does shudder, I mean the performance by Amelia Clark, I thought was excellent, because she like twitches a little bit when John says, what about the children? Out there, and then Tyrion. She's more, you know. All right, she's more resolute on Tyrion. She's thought that through a little more since then. Like I, all right. Tyrion's done. He's failed me every step of the way. He's Mm -hmm. done. Now he betrayed me. Done. So I I wish they didn't, you know, frame that argument on Tyrion. I wish, you know, John's could have been like. There are thousands of dead children in the street. Right now. <laughs> I agree. Let's talk about that.
0: <laughs> uh, Danny's dragon comes to her lifeless body upon discovering Danny's death. He lets out a fired scream. Uh, John seemed, at least in my view, content to take the brunt of it as a consequence for his action. Finally betraying the queen, turns out no, the dragon is not going to fire at John. He, the dragon, instead decimates and melts away the iron throne in total before flying off with Danny's lifeless body in his clasps.
1: Why the f doesn't this dragon eat John? Breathe fire on John. I mean, does he like John? It doesn't seem like he. There's no bond between them, really, other than he's flown under. Is there something in the mythos everybody that everybody is saying this? There's a whole civil war where Dra- Targaryen fights Targaryen, where dragon fights dragon. Okay, like I know Kikos, nothing about it, so I'm just the Blackfires, it up. the Tor- Targaryens. It's, it's called the Dance of Dragons. John is actually half Stark and half Targaryen, so it's not like he's even full Targaryen. What the hell is everybody saying? It doesn't make sense. So, Danny, now, gone forever. We're going to jump forward in time from this
0: point, in true Avengers Endgame style. This
1: is the worst part of the episode for me, because, alright, so many questions, Mike. I Sorry I have to stop you. Yeah, how the F does anyone know what happened? The dragon carries Danny off, why couldn't... By the way, there's a pissed off dragon with
0: no leader now, just flying around this just world. Just flying around the world. <laughs> And
1: are they, is they going back to Valyria? We don't know. Just going to eat goats. Everybody's goats <laughs> should be where. Mike, this dragon carries Danny off. Do people see her her dead, lifeless body being carried off? Does John, out of just honor boundness, tell everybody what he has done? If that happens, how the hell do the Unsullied not kill John immediately? They were ready to kill John immediately when he interrupted them from carrying out Danny's orders. Now he's interrupted Danny's life. <laughs> he's fair. interrupted her life. How did they just take him prisoner? Are you kidding me? Uh, as a devil, I will say that is a fine argument. <laughs> Another thing in the Dothraki tradition if you kill the Kal, the leader, then the, you become the leader. And all the Blood Riders should commit suicide and go on to the whatever. Afterlife lands with their leader, Danny has proclaimed all these Dothraki as her blood riders. So and they've seemingly agreed. Maybe they <laughs> didn't blood oath it, but Mike they seemingly seemingly agreed. So wouldn't they proclaim John the leader in this instance? So wouldn't the Dothraki back John? You know, theoretically, then the Unsullied are always loyal to Danny because she freed them. Wouldn't we have a Dothraki versus Unsullied battle here? That could have been the coolest, craziest bloodbath, Scorsese style ever. And then even if none of that, even if you disagree with all of that, shouldn't Grey Worm at least turn into General Kurtz? Shouldn't he turn into Marlon Brando at the end of Apocalypse yes. Now in, in, the, in the Heart of Darkness? Shouldn't he basically have martial law over the city? Yeah, and I'm just totally in everybody agreement everybody with you there because he,
0: he just got the honor in front of everyone as the next in line should something happen to Danny.
1: How does yeah. he just put the chains on John? There's no real bond between them. And then he turns into a coward at the meeting. I, he's totally, he has. He acts like he has no power whatsoever. It's not like they show Grey Worm having all these feelings of guilt over what he's done. If they did that, then you at least right. have reason enough Sure. alright, I got all these feelings of guilt. Like, No, we just have to extrapolate all these things. It really doesn't work. So we flash forward in time and we have this
0: meeting. All the heads of all the houses of all the kingdoms here are now, and we have to decide what we're going to do about Tyrion, what we're going to do about Jon. So Tyrion yeah. is brought forth in shackles by Grey Worm, and Tyrion makes the case that my fate and John's fate is not for you Mr. Grey Worm to decide it's up to the king or queen again he's trying Tyrion three steps mentally ahead of everyone here yeah uh except they don't have a king or queen at this time obviously so Tyrion says you're the smartest people in the land you're the heads of all the houses why don't you just you know choose one Sansa's uncle tries to speak up first Sansa shoots him down in an all-time rejection which I thought was hilarious yeah uh Samwell suggests a true democratic vote i leave it just up to us let the
1: people decide he is laughed out. let's let the ghosts (laughs) have a vote that's funny very good
0: so essentially they ask which is befuddling to me they turn to the prisoner the guy in shackles who's sentenced to death
1: (laughs) and they put weight in his opinion walk me through why that's a good idea all right i love this so much because it's so tyrion because Tyrion has been at the edge of a knife and talked his way out of it for eight years. Yes. He had, when in the season one, which you watched, the hill tribes had, have him and Bronn at sword point, and he somehow convinces them all that he is a Lannister and blah blah blah, and he gets out of it. Grey Worm's like, "You can't say anything. You're not here to speak." Well, why is he here? But well, okay, fine. <laughs> He's not here to speak, but then he does. He gets a little something in, and it's like a you know the pearl. Wisdom—it's not your to, for you to choose because we need to choose a king. And then everybody's like, "Yeah, wow, we got to choose a king." <laughs> and they—they uh, must have been thinking about it for a month. But all right, now it's on the table to choose a king. And Grey Worm's like, just probably j- just so confused. He, he like these have been things he's never had to deal with. I also think there's there is relationship uh, relationship between Tyrion and Grey Worm. I mean, Tyrion has kind of commanded Grey Worm and Unsullied for years. They've been allies for years, and they've been through a lot of crap together. So for Grey Worm to talk tough and then to back off, you know, he and Tyrion do have a little bit of relationship. So I like this. I I love that it's it's just so Tyrion.
0: Fair enough. So Tyrion has the floor. Yeah, and he pitches who he thinks should be. The king of the realms. Uh, it should be, of course, the person with the best story. This is totally idiotic. This, but it's politics, though, right? This is Masturbation by Benny and Weiss.
1: It is. And, <laughs> and, and by George. you know, Yeah. The... Uh,
0: So, uh, you are a fan or not a fan? As Tyrion pitches, the best story is the one who should have the the keep. Stories are what unite people. The the person with the best story should be king.
1: Who has a better story than Bran? Look, number one, there's no evidence that people know Bran's story. He had, you know, Tyrion had to corner him to get the story out of him. That was a big scene a couple episodes ago. So nobody knows Bran's true story, and I would have expected everybody to give me, like, what? Three-eyed raven? What? Nobody knows his story. And if they did, it's easily the worst fucking story of everybody sitting there. <laughs> Even fat old Griffin man from the Vale has a better story. Okay. Sam has a better story. Sansa, Arya, Tyrion, wait, Brienne, wait, wait, wait. Superior it,
0: In the true, in the spirit of this episode, you could argue that Bran, in fact, has done the most in, the le- in this season, at least. He was bait. He
1: was bait. But without That's-
0: him, that Night King may not have been killed in that way.
1: As bait, yes. And let's, uh, this is <laughs> so he's nothing more than a worm on a hook to you. <laughs> Andy Greenwald said it in the Ringers podcast, the watch there, which I love. And he said, like, look, Bran is playing some games here because Theon easily could have not charged the Night King. Sure. And Bran could be like, look, wait 30 seconds. Right. right? don't charge the Night kick because Arya's going to come right through him. Like, the, the Night King's fixated on, you know, coming up to him and stabbing him anyway. Or just Bran's like, or, I mean, look, I understand Bran is not Doctor Strange. He doesn't have the time stone. He hasn't seen, like, he, he, he's just not supposedly that powerful. So I get some of it, but I, I'm still, I do not think he has the best story in any way, shape, or form. And then, you know, the, the talk about narrative structure and storytelling principles, you know, his... Side characters have better stories. (laughs) Mira, Hodor, they're the heroes of Bran's storyline. The dogs, the the direwolves helping Bran are thoroughly more heroic than Bran. But to Mike, David and Dan sidelined him for a whole season because like, we're totally done with this kid's story. They must have heard George tell him, well, you know Bran's going to be king at the end of this, right? And be like, (laughs) shit. Because. They sidelined him. But don't you
0: have respect for the way they're able to bring the story full circle? This all starts with Bran being pushed out a window in the first episode, yeah. and now he's the most powerful man amongst the six realms, the six kingdoms?
1: Book Bran is a great choice, I, I think, so far. Book Bran is a better character. And Bran, as, I mean, he's turned into a plot device, but the earlier show Bran could be considered a very wise little boy and and really smart and and someone worth fighting for. It also fits the narrative of the Seven Kingdoms and of this show. We always had this boy king after that first season. There's a boy king, and basically a boy king is easily manipulated. He's easily controlled. He's easily someone that all these other politicians can take their power. So is this a power play on Tyrion's part? It, it, It is a little bit. It's crazy, yo. Know, is Tyrion ever gonna get Stubborn John to do what he wants unless everything's on the line? No. Huh. John John would be a terrible ruler because he's too stubborn to live. Never mind rule, and he's he's gonna do what he thinks is right. Yeah, John is not political. Everybody in this whole series, from Littlefinger to Varys, is like, like Ned Stark choking Littlefinger up against the wall. Fucking Starks. You know, that's lit the whole <laughs> series because they're so stubborn. And, you know, Tyrion is, of course, going to say there's no way a Targaryen slash Stark is going to be better than. So,
0: is Tyrion the real winner of Game of Thrones here? Does he pitch Bran as king knowing that Bran is going to
1: put him in power? Yeah, Tyrion, Sansa, absolutely. absolutely, freaking ludicrous. To me, I read through this, and I think George is going to explain it better, but I absolutely read through this as a political maneuver and a compromise.
0: So Bran gets the support of everyone except Sansa as king, who basically says his dick doesn't work. (laughs) He's the perfect compromise
1: candidate, and yeah, Bill Simmons mentioned that in the pod. Oh, <laughs> did he? <He's> like, <laughs> Maybe you don't have to tell everybody that. By the way, I've a little just seen the memes that have come from it. This is like really hilarious. older sister embarrassing yeah. story. She couldn't help herself.
0: Um. Okay. So Bran is king. And Bran says Tyrion will be my right-hand man. He will be the hand of the king. Sorry, Grey Worm. Uh, Tyrion's going to spend the rest of his days making up for his uh, uh, tr- past
1: transgressions. And Grey myself. Worm could immediately shut that down, saying Tyrion's fucked up every decision in the last... Three years. Why? Why, would... why
0: Grey Worm, who should be in power and the de facto king of this kingdom, at least right now? Well, yeah, I mean, he should be General Kurtz, so yeah. <laughs> why he doesn't speak up there is beyond me, but okay.
1: He's in over his head. He is so in over his head, and he just watched all these other people get shot down like these major lords and ladies. Guy's a slave with no dick. What is he, what is he supposed to do?
0: So, in a bit of a counter convention to what we just had where John visits Tyrion in holding, Tyrion now goes back to John, who is being held in his <laughs> cell, and explains that you will remain white. List. you will rejoin the night's watch you are going to be basically a bastard
1: john snow i i love this because you Jon, like this i like this a lot i, mean, I don't like the result necessarily because it's very bittersweet but i love like john's like there's still a Night's Watch? <laughs> <laughs> you mean I have to do that? I freaking died up there.
0: Now, if we've just been shown that this Benioff and Weiss are concerned with bringing everything full circle, Tyrion's going to stay in power because of his tongue, Bran's going to be king because he started off this whole uh, trice in
1: the first episode, yeah. does it not
0: make sense that Jon has to go back to the Night's Watch where it all began?
1: If it's, I wonder if George is going to do the same thing about all of this, really, but, and it's not such a death sentence. He's going to go up there with Tormund and the Wildings who are, they're no longer longer fighting each other. Mm-hmm. He's going to live up there with them. He can go camping with them every other week. Like there's no white walkers anymore, so what is he using the wall for? Like what does he really have to do other than run a basically a rehabilitation program for criminals? Mm-hmm. He has to run kind of like a weird prison scenario and it, which is he's, he's done before and done well. So you know, he's been the commander of the Night's Watch and he's basically got to, you know, hang out with his wilding friends and he's already you know, had his longest term girlfriend in his life was a wildling, so he could totally find love and whatever. You have bastard children, but they could they, they, do whatever you want. Plus, he's reunited with his dog, so it works.
0: Something to be said that he's being forced to rejoin the only people that have successfully killed the greatest soldier in the Westeros, right?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a little bit <laughs> ironical in that regard, that he's forced to go back there, so that's fun.
0: Arya, we learn, is probably going to get a spinoff of her own as she's going to travel west of Westeros. I just don't like
1: this. To, I, I know... I, I look, can't even
0: play the devil in this because I'm appalled with the way Arya was handled in
1: this finale. I really hate this. I would. I want, I want. don't want Arya to be a lady somewhere, don't get me wrong. I don't want her to do the traditional thing. I want her to do something cool. But like this is just like... I, she just found out who she was again I, I am a member of the stark family i'm a warrior within the stark family that's all great like she realized all these things about herself like I, i'm not saying you know this is not cool right she's gonna go and discover america but it's almost <laughs> But like what's west of what it's just like she's going off into oblivion she just made a decision with the hound not to go off into an oblivion. Not go to play, off to death, to play the death. devil role. She is now without
0: guidance, maybe for the first time in a couple seasons, because the Hound is not by her side. And who are those
1: crazy Stark lunatics on the Stark boat going with her? <laughs> I might ask. So yeah, she has no guidance. She's she's in charge. So maybe it makes sense that she's going to go off on her, literally forge her own path, forge the new Westeros path, her, her own adventure. I guess. So it, it's it's sad in a way because. Even though she started to reconnect with everybody, now she there she goes again.
0: In this scene as well, we have John apologizing to New King Brand for not being there where he needed to be, and Brand's response, of course, uh, is "You were exactly where you were supposed
1: to be." Shut the fuck up! <laughs> you shut up! You, you gotta you gotta rub it in. You know we know John would suck as a king. We know he's a stubborn idiot. But he's kinda of the rightful heir and this is this digs it into me because we've I've read, you know, fifty fantasy stories about the secret king becoming the king at the end. And it's just like twist the knife. Because you still have those feelings as an audience member. Like John should really be king. I mean he's the strongest though, right? I mean I look, I mean I get it, it's right that Bran like Brand will be a smarter king. No question. He's a computer. He'll be a smarter king. You're fine, but like ah. Oh. <laughs> Why do you think I came all this way? Mm-hmm. I don't really want anymore. Yeah, I just he want like to be king. The person to slowly <laughs> roll him away.
0: All right, so we have Brienne now in the castle. She's finishing up Jamie's pages in the Kingsguard book, making a very sweet. Uh, I liked it. Yeah, yeah that I was. It. I mean, it's a little stage five clingerish it was a one night stand let's Genius. relax
1: uh, but they have years together <laughs> right. years together as friends
0: brand's holding his first cabinet meeting samuel provides the literal version of the story a song of ice and fire he
1: renamed the title of the book that the archmeister was writing maester this is stupid <laughs> this is so stupid <laughs> as
0: somebody who's not a fan of this show that he actually worked in the story literally into the story <laughs> That is so dumb. All right, fine. <laughs>
1: Superman, the question. Right, exactly. That's exactly <laughs>
0: what I was thinking of. You
1: know, you know what, Had See you yesterday, that Netflix film yeah. actually dropped the name of the title pretty great. And so did John Wick Parabellum. Oh, really? It was awesome. The name of the title <laughs> dropped and John Wick Parabellum loved it. I
0: was, uh, of, of all that you could say about this episode, I was most
1: offended by that. Yeah, it's not uh, season one where Cersei's like, when you play the game, right. the road, you win or you die. And you're like... Oh my God! All they great. needed was like the authorship on the cover to beat, read George <laughs> R. R. Martin. If George R. R. Martin was just sitting in the background grinning. <laughs> It, it would have been, uh, it couldn't have been worse. Yeah, it was bad.
0: And then we have our epilogue to the entirety of this show. John returns to the Night's Watch. Sansa becomes the crown queen as she has, has said that the North will remain its own independent. It's going to be Switzerland, essentially. It will remain neutral and independent as it always has. Arya takes off to the West. John finally gets his long-awaited reuniting with Wolf. Everybody ends mediocrily.
1: Listen, I love the final scene at the council with Tyrion fixing the chairs and Bronn and Davos and Sam and Brienne and Podrick all being there cuz they've been friends throughout the show except for Davos and Bronn, which is also fun to see them trading quips and barbs and actually like they're going to be friends and have this crazy relationship now. So th- this I love that scene. That's what Game of Thrones been the best at for Tyrion to end with the honeycomb and the brothel joke. Starting it again. you know I was, He started that joke like uh, four or five times in the history of this podcast. Yep. He never gets to tell the joke. And, of course, in the last episode, his last line, I once brought a, whatever, a honeycomb and a, uh, into a brothel. He starts the joke again, and then we cut. That's <laughs> great. So I like that. Uh, Game of Thrones finale. Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. I mean, I'm definitely thumbs down overall. I'm not happy. Even though I like a lot of things, and I'm starting to talk myself into more things. So this was therapeutic, Mike. I thank you so, so much for allowing me this opportunity. I know we went long, so you're the man.
0: A little long, not too bad. But yes, we want to know, obviously, your thoughts. How would you have rewritten Game of Thrones for the finale as well Woo! would be an interesting question that we I would like to hear guess the from plot? You. Uh, Ryan L. Terry actually pitched that for us to ask you. Hopefully we can ask that in a Twitter question as oh, well. Oh, nice. Can fit it in 280 characters, we would love to see that. Uh, otherwise, yeah, guys, this was the Game of Thrones. This is the wrap-up of it. This was the Devil in the Advocate episode. We want to know your thoughts, criticisms, questions, concerns, comments about this or anything we do cover in the MMO Empire. You could reach out to us, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, M, M, and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We're available everywhere. You hear podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, etc. etc. Uh, just type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar. You'll see our cartoon faces waving back at you. If you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes, those really, truly do go a long way. They we do. really they appreciate help. that. Uh, Michael, Game of Thrones in the books now. Some words of wisdom for our dear listeners.
1: Well, you just said it. I mean, we're going to continue to ask Twitter questions and that's a great Twitter question. Let's get right on that. And uh, last week, I thought you outdid yourselves. Yes, truly. Six degrees of MMO. Then you made me laugh more times in those threads between the Angel is Fallen thread. Yes. And then what, what was all the, oh, the Pixar, uh, the Pixar, and Game of Thrones character c- comparison thread? You made me laugh more last week than you ever have. So I'm just upping the ante. It would be wise to do this again. and and continue to entertain me so thank you all (laughs) thank you all for that and I want more
0: Uh, guys when reality sucks uh, or I guess your long standing favorite shows finales suck you can come watch movies with us and we will check you out next time see ya